shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase an hundred, and an hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. One shall chase a thousand, two shall put ten thousand to flight. This is a popular text used by pastors, motivational speakers, the average Christian to teach the power of togetherness, synergy, and interdependence. But is that what the text means and is that what the Bible really teaches? Stay tuned. Hi everyone and welcome to MOG channel. I am Pastor Essien and this is my podcast where we help you to see a real and practical Christianity from God's word. If you're new here, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Alright, so let's get into it. One will chase a thousand, two will put ten thousand to flight. Now, this is a statement I grew up hearing and I used to hear so often in preachings and teachings just like this one. One man shall chase a thousand. For every thousand critics, complainers, naysayers, men and women that are used of the evil one to try and discourage and destroy the man of God and the work of God, one man, one woman can stand in the gap and can balance out the work of a thousand imps of Satan. All right. So we have someone like that using that text to say that, you know, one person is enough to deal with a thousand of Satan's um, people or goons or whatever. All right. And then you have the other camp that will say we are stronger and all that stuff. So we really want to look at those particular texts to ask the question, is that what those texts are saying? And that's really what we are after here, because we say a lot of things that we don't cross check in our Bibles. I am personally guilty of this i mean because of how we grew up you heard texts like this over and over and over again just assume that that's what's in the bible okay or that's what that text means maturing as a christian you would have to do your own investigation do your own searching with proper rules of bible explanation interpretation and then see for yourself whether that's what it's saying so that's what we want to do all right there are about three places in scripture that i personally found that these um will i say texts or these ideas can be gotten from so we're going to look at each of them and then come to our own conclusion all right so the first one is leviticus 26 verse 8 i know some of y'all have not seen leviticus in a long time but you need to read leviticus all right it says five of you shall chase it a hundred a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword and i mean that that, that looks nice wow five shall chase a hundred and all that so yeah so this looks like yeah just a few of you will chase so many and all that stuff and you know of course you could apply this to your life to your business to spiritual warfare and all that but then let's look at the context one amazing or most important rule of bible study is the context why because you see the verse we just read is not divorced from the entire bible it's a verse and verses were put there by human beings so it's like this long thing we're reading and it's like imagine reading an article for example articles don't usually have chapters and verses you just read the whole article so the same way you cannot just read a verse and get the meaning without reading the verses before and after and that's what we're going to do now 
So we just read verse 8. Let's look start from verse 6. It says, I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will remove harmful beasts from the land, and the sword shall not go through your land. So this is God speaking to the children of Israel about the promised land, Canaan, which he has promised to them. Verse 7, you shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Verse 8, five of you shall chase a hundred and hundred of you shall chase ten thousand and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you and make you fruitful and multiply you and confirm my covenant with you. So here clearly we can see that the audience, which is extremely important, the audience here has nothing to do with the average person. All right. The audience here has nothing to do with any Christian. The audience here is not you or me. The audience here is Claire, all right? It is the children of Israel, the Israelites, all right? Because it says here, and will confirm my covenant with you. And the covenant here is not, it's not what we have with Jesus. It's not what we have with God at all. Because this same covenant, if you read Deuteronomy, you get the whiff of it. Deuteronomy, I think, is it 26 or 28? I think 28 will tell you that this covenant, there was the terms and conditions of enjoying God's blessings and the T and C was that you had to do what God wanted. You had to ensure that you were obedient. You had to be obedient in everything. You had to offer the right sacrifices and do the right things and there were about 613 of those particular codes you had to obey and so if you disobeyed them and you turned away from God um, because the idea of the covenant was that by obeying these laws then that's how you are worshipping God and this is talking to the Israelites. And that's because they came from a um, culture or the whole world around them was given to idolatry. Every nation under the sun around them was actually worshipping one God or the other. And so God calls these people and sets them aside as his own people. And he's saying, this is the mark that you are my people. And so he gives them these rules and regulations. And the idea is that by keeping these, you are differentiating yourself from the other people. There are things you do that make you separate, unique, different from the other people. And this is a mark to everybody that you are my people. You know, something like that. That's the idea of that covenant. So this covenant is if you break it, then you will see curses and this and that and that. A lot of interesting stuff. But if you keep it, then I'm going to bless you. So it is not our covenant. This has nothing to do with us. All right? Five of you shall chase a hundred and hundred of you shall chase ten thousand. He's telling them basically that because he's with them, he will give them victory. Are you seeing that? So it's, it's not even really literally that five people will chase one thousand or five of five or what does it even say? Five will chase a hundred. Well, not literally that. It's just saying, or the idea is it's like an exaggeration. It's just saying that look, because God is with these people, all right, he will give them victory. Simple as that. So that is the first one and has nothing to do with <laughs> with synergy or anything has nothing to do with that so we can't use leviticus 26 all right verse 8 to say that we can we can't okay so let's let's look can we use um deuteronomy 32 verse 30 it says how could one have chased a thousand and two have put ten thousands of flight unless their rock had sold them and the lord had given them up Okay, so here, first of all, even without the context, you can already see that this is weird. Like, this is really weird. How could one have chased a thousand and two have put ten thousand to flight? I mean, if you left it there, that's cool. And then there's something that a bunch of people do, 
all right when we were younger we used to do this too anyway that you will stop there and use that to preach a sermon you don't do that no read the whole thing it says unless they are rock had sold them and not have given them up so what is the context of deuteronomy 32 uh, verse 30 well the context is actually deuteronomy 31 because that's the verse before so what happens in 31 is if you want to read from verse 14 and the lord said to moses behold the days approach when you must die all right and the reason moses has to die is because moses misbehaved all right god asked him to do something and he chose to go his own way and then he misrepresented god before the people and so god said because of this thing you and aaron you guys are not getting into the promised land so deuteronomy is written actually as a backlog because the children of israel have been going around in the wilderness for about 40 days sorry 40 years and this is because of their disobedience to god in first when he said go into the land i promise you take the land they said no they're giants in there blah 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 blah, and everything and then they are hesitant and they begin to complain and more and so god says no wahala you guys are going to rig my role for 40 years in the wilderness and then those of you above the age of 20 or from 20 above will die in this wilderness because of your rebellion and all that stuff and then after that your children after you will go into the land and that's the plan so now this deuteronomy is written in that um, period where they're about god says oh yeah leave this wilderness and start marching to the promised land so moses starts the journey with them but god tells moses but you you're not you shall know you're not going to enter you're going to die because of this and this and this and this and all all that so now that's the backlog of what we're about to read so 31 14 and the lord said to moses behold the days approach where you must die call joshua and present yourselves in the tent of meeting that i may commission him and moses and joshua went and presented themselves in the tent of meeting and the lord appeared in the tent in the pillar of cloud and the pillar of cloud stood at the entrance of the tent and the lord said to moses behold you're about to lie down with your fathers so he's telling him again you're going to die then these people will rise and now look at this so see what he says these people that's the children of israel that you've been leading will rise and haul after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering and they will forsake me and break my covenant that i have made with them so you see again the covenant he made with them so this is actually in deuteronomy that the whole of Deuteronomy, you're actually seeing the law god reminding them about the laws that he gave them you know through moses and everything but he's but this is god basically saying see I've given these guys this law, but let me just <laughs> tell you the truth, Moses. These guys are going to break every single thing. They're going to break everything. And they are going to like go after the other gods and forget everything they said to me. All right? So look at verse 17. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be devoured. And many evils and troubles will come upon them, so that they will say in that they have not these evils come upon us because God is not among us. So what God is going to do is that he's just going to withdraw because this covenant is supposed to be proof that you guys want me as God. But if you guys forsake this covenant, you don't want so because you say you don't want me to i'll step aside and i will allow those bad guys who want to deal with you guys to go and deal with you guys all right said i will surely hide my face from them in that day because of all the evil that they have done because they have turned to other gods are you seeing that because they have turned to idolatry so look at verse 19 says now therefore write this song and teach it to the people of israel put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. For when I brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and grown fat, they will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. <laughs> this sounds very familiar. Children of God who cry out to God for blessings and then after 
God blesses them, they relax, they calm down, they stop serving God fervently anymore and just chill out. In fact, they turn away from God. That's what he's saying. He's giving foreknowledge, telling Moses that this is exactly what will happen. Look at verse 24. Verse 21. And when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness for it to live unforgotten in the mouth of their offspring. For I know what they are inclined to do even today before I have brought them into the land that I swore to give them. So Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the people of Israel. So this is Deuteronomy 31. Alright? Now, Deuteronomy 32 is about that song. And that song is long. Like, I can't start reading here. Some people will just click off. However, I have to read the area that involves the context. So, we're going to start reading from verse 23 and at 31. If you read from verse 1 down, it's talking about the fact that, look, this is what I did for you guys. I took you guys from Egypt. I did all that stuff for you guys. I burst into covenant and because you've disobeyed me, this is what's happening to you. That's the idea of the song. That's just basically the summary of the song. Hear the song. I will heap disasters upon them. I will send arrows on them. They shall be wasted with hunger and devoured by plague and poisonous pestilence. I will send the teeth of beasts against them. Yeah, 26 says, I, I would have said I will cut them to pieces. I will wipe them from human memory. Had I not feared provoke by the enemy. In other words, I'm not going to wipe you guys out completely from the earth, even if you're my people, because of the enemy provoking me. And you see what he means by provoking him. He says, lest their enemies should misunderstand, lest they should say, our hand is triumphant. It was not the Lord who did all this. So the idea here is that he's saying, I would have wiped you guys completely out because of that nonsense people are about to do in the future. But if I do that, your enemies who don't have sense, because they're going to see, look at this verse 28, for they are a nation void of counsel, that's of wisdom, <laughs> and there's no understanding. That means they are senseless. <laughs> All right? So, they are senseless in the sense that they will not understand. Look at verse 29. If they were wise, they would understand this and they would descend their latter end. So, they won't understand that it is God handing his people over to them, they will think that, ah, it's because I'm strong. It's because I'm Nebuchadnezzar. It's because I'm the king of Assyria. It's because of this and that, that uh, my might is what is helping me. Meanwhile, it's a lie. It's me, their own God, handing them over to you. So, that is the background of verse 30, which is where we're going to land it. It says, how could one have chased a thousand and two have put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had given them up? So, I, are you seeing what he's saying? He's saying here clearly that the people of the nations that would take these people away, that is, that would take them captive and deal with them because of their rebellion against God and seven other gods, he says they don't have wisdom. So, if I wipe every all of you guys out, they would think it is them. But he's now saying that, they, that these guys, but don't they have sense because... Like how he says, how could one have chased a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight? That means my this is my people, Israel, that I have been with for so long. How would it have been this easy for you guys to wipe them out? If not that it says their rock, I their rock had sold them and I the Lord had given them up. Are you seeing that? For their rock is not as our rock, our enemies are by themselves. So are you seeing that the what it's saying, it has nothing to do. In fact, it's quite derogatory. It has nothing to do with synergy. It has nothing to do with what is being used for. All right. This is not a case of, oh, for the believer in Christ Jesus, one will chase a thousand. This is, has nothing to do with that. This is actually God saying, I have sold my people out. That's why it's easy for the enemy to actually capture them and deal with them. It's so easy. But the enemy does not have sense to actually acknowledge that this is me doing this. 
so I won't wipe all of you out. I'll leave a remnant. That's the idea here. Are you seeing that? So, second text, like that's a total air, you know, has nothing to do with that. All right. Now, let's look at the third text, the third and final text. Joshua 23 verse 10. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. And I think this is actually self-explanatory, honestly. One man of you, this is Joshua talking to, to God's people, says, one man of you puts to flight a thousand since it is the Lord your God. So the idea here again is the Lord your God who is helping you. So he's making it easy. So supernaturally you realize you're winning your battles because God is involved. Are you seeing that? Of course, you can always go read the context. Joshua 23 verse 6. Therefore, be strong and keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Turn aside from it neither to the right hand or to the left. Are you seeing again and seal this book of the Lord? The conditions of God being with them is that they must obey this book. That you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or may men make mention of the names of their God or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. For you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations and as for you, no man has been able to stand before you this day one man of you puts it to flight a thousand since it is the lord your god who fights for you just as he promised you are you seeing that be very careful therefore to love the lord your god so you are seeing clearly that again this is referring to or has literally nothing to do with what we use it for it doesn't have anything to do with synergy it has more to do with the idea that uh and this is for god's people here the cov it is hinged on the covenant which we are not part of all right, we are part of something way better. All right, here if they obey God and do this, he says, then God will make it easy to be obvious that God is among you. Your enemies will not devour you. That's the whole idea of this text. And you know, someone may ask, so why have I gone through the pains of putting this together, talking about all this? Well, it's just really because you see, proper Bible study glorifies God. God wants us to have an accurate understanding of His Word. Because the moment you don't have an accurate understanding of His Word, you will not have an accurate understanding of Him. And once it's twisted, so many things can happen and go wrong. Are you seeing that? So, um, it, now the question is, is the concept correct that? Um, uh, synergy if we come together we can do much more of course all right of course of course bible clearly talks about um if uh two or three come together as touching anything it shall be done for them all right um that should be matthew 18 yes verse 19 again i say to you if two of you agree on earth as about anything they ask it will be done for them by my father in heaven 20 for where two or three are gathered in my name there i am among them so there's nothing wrong with that concept or idea all right ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil for if they fall one will lift up his fellow but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no other one to lift him up verse 11 again if i if two lie together they shall keep warm but how can one keep warm alone are you seeing that? And then verse 12, And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord, sorry, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Are you seeing that? So, the, the point here is that you can say that because it's a biblical concept, but you should use the right verses of scripture. Alright? And, and this is just some admonition. Next time you want to um, you hear a phrase, something, just a phrase that sounds, go to your Bible, do a res do some research. Where was this thing found? Where did they say it? Who said it? Why did they say it? What was the context of what they were saying? 
and I'm telling you, it's going to help you. It's going to bless you a whole lot. All right? And, and so that's really the idea of this. Read your Bible properly. All right? Using the proper laws of Bible interpretation. Okay? All right, guys. That's it for today. I hope you've been blessed. Why don't you share this with someone else? Help them to understand these truths. And I'll catch you guys in the next one. God bless have a wonderful day. And bye-bye. If this blessed you or you want to say hi, or you have a question, you can head over to my Instagram at pst.essien, pst.essien. Also, if you've been blessed and you'd love to support what we do here at MOG Podcast, then you can give to 0106-207-685. I'll say that again, 0106-207-685 GT Bank. God bless you.